Thank you for joining me for this podcast episode. I'd like to start with a little story. I've talked about it before and I've written about it before, so I don't need to go into all the details here. But at the end of 2013, I started experiencing some health problems. I was 28 years old. My son Mickey was three years old. My daughter Claire was almost two. And it was an unexpected series of events and some health problems that led to other health problems. And it wound up being a span of about four years that were a lot of doctor's visits and procedures, tests, surgeries, and you know sometimes health improving and then something else happening. And, and it was a difficult time. And it was a time that also contained a lot of other life changes like divorce and my kids starting to live between two different households. And I only bring that up because that really was also the start of some of the media things that I've been doing for the last several years. That was end of 2013, going on eight years ago now. And my health is vastly improved outside of still monitoring a couple of things. I'm very healthy physically. I'm as healthy mentally as I've probably ever been in my life. And it's led to a lot of great things outside of wishing I could have my kids every day. And that situation is actually good as well. There's no problems there. Um, But I consider that challenging time one of the best things that ever happened to me. But one of the things that stemmed from that, when I was first sick and we didn't have a lot of answers to some of the things, one of the things I had was a bacterial infection that attacked my gut and that had been treated, but I had some negative reactions. Anyway, there weren't a lot of answers for some of the problems that I was having. And it was admittedly a scary thing to be seemingly very healthy, 28 years old, and then literally one day not be that. And to have two young kids and to have the mental and emotional pain of not being 100% what I wanted to be for them because I didn't feel well physically. And it also, it's kind of maybe a little cheesy or cliche, but it did really make me contemplate my mortality and the fact that I was not always going to be around for my kids. And I suppose maybe for the first time in my life, that consideration became very real. So one thing I started to do was create little videos for Mickey and Claire. I would sneak away into the garage at night and I would just set up the laptop camera and sort of talk about things that I wanted to make sure that I said to them, things that I wanted them to know. 
and give them a chance to, if they needed to, sometime down the road, if I wasn't there, if the health issues didn't improve, that they could have a message from their father. And that also led me to some decisions that it was very important to do the things that I wanted to try to do in life, to chase whatever silly dream or bit of whimsy that I wanted to chase. And that led me to writing a lot more frequently, something that I always enjoyed doing. And I was for a long time one of those people who thought, well, one day I'll write a book because I like to do that. But I had never actually done it. I had scribbled down little ideas. So I sat down and forced myself to do that and was able to have a book come out last year. And it's led to some great things creatively in that regard because I just had the realization that there is no waiting, that tomorrow is not guaranteed. You can literally wake up one day and be sick or you can not wake up at all. So it's important to get on with it, to do the things that are meaningful, to do the things that move us. And the other thing that I wanted to do with the creative work that I was doing was, I guess I asked myself the question, like, what do I have to give? Like, what is something that I can put into the world? And not that I'm necessarily a great writer or a great artist or great with these sorts of things, but these are things that I can do. And I wanted to expand upon stuff that I did in the classroom with my students and things like that. So that led to some different stuff, blog posts and starting a podcast, occasionally interviewing people, doing sort of sporadic podcast episodes. I really like doing that, but I also teach and I coach and I'm a dad and just kind of working things around that schedule. Well, <laughs> being an author and having a book out and doing some other things also led to some other opportunities. And it led me to, again, ask myself some questions about what I really wanted because you get some opportunities like, would you like to be a brand ambassador for this? Or would you maybe like to join our organization for this? And that sort of thing is great. I'm very thankful for that. But I guess I'm always looking at like, what do I have to offer? What do I want to do? What do I find fulfilling? And the real answer to that is what I already do. I love teaching, I love coaching, I love being a dad and being involved with my kids and, and playing with them. So my life is very fulfilling in that regard. But I also like doing these creative things and the answer to really what else would I do if I wasn't teaching or those sorts of things, which I plan to continue doing, is... I would kind of do Kane from Kung Fu, which I know I've talked about before as well, where I would just like to travel around, meet people, offer whatever 
skills, knowledge, ability, interests that I have to try to help other people and learn from them. And I want the podcast to be more of that. I think that's something that, why can't I do both? Do the teaching and the coaching and the parenting and be fully involved with that. And then on some of these outside things, be a little more, have a little more back and forth with people who listen to these things, interact with these things. I've had some cool opportunities to talk to some amazing people who do other great work to support and help others. I want to highlight people who do those sorts of things. I'm not really interested in like promoting my own stuff, trying to sell books and things. That's certainly part of being an author and doing stuff like that. But I more just want to put stuff out in the world and talk to other people, make this podcast a little more interactive. So that's kind of a not super short explanation of the direction this podcast is going to go. And we're going to try some new segments and do some different things. I want to have some guest hosts, meaning some friends who just join me to talk about some of this random stuff and still interview some people when I get a chance to do that. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, that's hard to schedule sometimes and that's mostly my fault because I am usually teaching and coaching. So it's a lot of like later at night or on the weekend sort of things where I'm able to do that, but I still want to do some of that, but I want to be more regular with this format so that it's a little more consistent. It's something that people can turn to if they're interested and I want it to be more interactive. So Moving on to our next segment. And this segment is called Good News. When I was young, I always thought it would be cool to have a news station that just reported good news because most of the news is a bummer and I don't want to downplay that. It's important to understand what's going on in the world and to look at the negative things in our world so that we can stand up against them and work to change them. But I also think it's important to keep perspective and to focus on the positive and to try to feed those things. I think that's the way we stamp out most negative things in life anyway. It's not so much pushing back against, it's showing the light, showing the positive things, letting, letting the world bend to that positivity. And I know this has been done before. There's a lot of news stations that have good news segments, but it's something, if I'm going to have a show, I want to have a good news segment. So I like to look for those stories anyway, find things that are inspirational to me. And this is kind of a way to disseminate that to the listeners or the viewers. So our good news story for today is on Brent Sopel. And if you don't know who Brent Sopel is, he's a former professional hockey player, former NHL player. He won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I first picked this story up uh, reading an article on ESPN.com, an article written by Emily Kaplan titled, How Brent Sopel is Opening Doors for Fellow Former Hockey Players. And the story was primarily about how Brent Sopel 
after his playing career, faced some challenges, including addiction troubles, and got himself cleaned up, has started doing work to help bring attention to and support resources for dyslexia. He discovered at an adult age that he was dyslexic, and that was something that had made school challenging for him all the way through his life, and then contributed to his transition away from hockey being difficult. And then the story was primarily focused on Brent Sopel, now works for a company called Horizon Energy Solutions that does a lot of work in renewable energies. And he was recruiting or is recruiting other former hockey players to work for them at Horizon Energy Solutions and trying to give other players who may be transitioning away from the game opportunities that he didn't necessarily have. And that is a difficult thing if your life has been athletics and you maybe don't have a lot of other employability skills or whatever that might be. So it was a cool story. I wanted to give credit to where I first fell down this rabbit hole to Emily Kaplan's story. But then that led me to checking out what Brent Sopel is doing. And if you go to the BrentSopelFoundation.org is the website. You can see a lot of other great things. And the foundation is his work to support, support really anyone who's struggling with dyslexia. So they really work to give academic assistance, financial assistance, to get people the help that they need. And as a teacher... I totally agree if a student struggles to read it, it makes it so hard in the academic and career system that we have developed. And I've had some students who are, um, who are brilliant, who are amazingly talented, who are incredibly hardworking, where they struggle to read. And so much of what we do academically is based on that. So I just, that's kind of my good news story for today is encourage people, check out Brent Sopel's foundation. Here's somebody who's been through a lot of stuff. If you go to his website, you'll see a short documentary called Here to Change the World, talking about sort of his new lease on life after hockey and after struggling with addiction and struggling with a transition to a new phase of his life and really finding a purpose and finding a sense of meaning. I always love that. I always find that inspirational. So go ahead and check that out if you get a chance. Our next segment, I'm going to call One with Luke Nielsen. And it's really based on the idea. I've talked about this before that Everybody has at least one thing to offer. Everybody at least has one thing to say that could change someone's life. And for me, any of this stuff, my role as a teacher, it's really about 
trying to make even one person's life just 1% better. And if we can do that, that's a success. And if we all do that, then this world gets exponentially better. And it's also about just, you know, the power of one little idea. And I'm constantly writing things down and, and jotting notes about stuff. And then I'll sit down and write and sort of essay or story format, whatever it is I'm thinking about. So for this segment of the podcast, we're going to kind of talk about an idea that I've had, what I'm thinking about, where my head is for this week. It ties into the blog post that I'm not going to read the blog post, but the blog post to be on the website and on socials. And uh, there's an audio companion to go with that too, if people want to listen to that. But I'm just going to kind of talk about it. And what the blog post and stuff this week is about, it's called Feel. And it's just about how we need to encourage and praise people feeling their feelings, especially at a young age. I, I'm, I'm a proud father. I've talked about my kids a lot already in this podcast. And it's funny sometimes as parents, we get proud of things that are kind of silly sometimes. Like when my kids want to do the running workouts with the high school kids when I'm coaching them, I'm proud. I'm proud when my kids throw out a movie reference or they recognize a song that I like. I'm proud of those things. Those are kind of silly things to be proud of. But as parents, sometimes we're proud of those things because we see a bit of ourselves in our kids. I love that. Part of it is you know, maybe a little bit of my own ego that I, I like to see myself in my kids. But it also reminds me that I'm their dad. And that's a cool thing. So I'm, I'm proud of those things. But I'm really more proud of who my kids are. You know, I think they're good kids. They're not perfect. I don't expect them to be. They make mistakes. Sometimes we get frustrated with each other. But they're good kids. They're kind. They're hardworking. They question things without denigrating them. They're, they're good people. I like being around my kids. I'm proud of them for so many things. But maybe the thing I'm most proud of is their ability and their willingness to feel their feelings. So a couple of little stories about that. It was a little more than a year ago. It was, um, I guess, in the spring of 2020 when schools were shut down during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. So my kids and I were at home. We were doing online school stuff and things like that, but we really had more time at home than we have ever had because we're usually at the school and at all the athletic events and all those sorts of things. And we were binge watching some shows, getting in a lot of movies, doing a lot of that thing, sort of enjoying just our time at home. And we decided to watch Stranger Things together, the Netflix show. It was already one of my favorite shows. My kids had shown interest in it, asked questions about it. I thought they would like it. So we're going to sit down. We're going to watch Stranger Things. 
And even though I thought, I don't know, maybe some parts would be a little creepy, but they loved it. And my daughter, Claire, especially loved it. She really connected with it. She really connects with strong female characters. So the character of Ele- uh, uh, character 11 was big for her. She really loved it to the point where we would finish one episode and then she'd be like, well, can we watch one more? Can we watch one more? She wanted to just hammer through them. And it's her favorite show now. Her birthday party was a Stranger Things birthday party for Halloween. We went as Hopper and Eleven. She loves it. And if you've not watched Stranger Things, now would be the time to pause this, watch all of Stranger Things, and then you can turn this back on. But at the end of season three, the most recent season, there's this very emotional scene where Hopper, who is you know kind of the rough around the edges hero, and he served as the father figure to Eleven, and he has apparently died sacrificing himself for everyone else at the end of season three. And there's this very emotional scene where Eleven is packing up her things to move away with the Byer family. She's, she discovers this letter, or she's given this letter, and she reads it. Then it's one of those great television scenes where it's David Harbour who plays Hopper. He's doing the voiceover of this letter. And it shows this little montage of memories and they're getting ready to leave. And then it plays a version of David Bowie's song Heroes as Eleven and the Byers family are hugging everyone and saying their goodbyes and leaving. It's very emotional. So by the time it gets to the Bowie song, Claire is weeping. She's just bawling. It's not a few sniffles. It's not, you know, blinking back at the tears. She's crying. And it was sort of sweet. I appreciated that she was so emotionally invested with the story and the characters, and she understood emotionally what the scene was all about. <laughs> and she was, she was so emotional about it that for probably the next hour at least, she, she would start crying again. If she would just think about it, she'd start crying again. Or inadvertently, Mickey or I would start humming the tune to Heroes or start singing because it was stuck in our head and we, we loved David Bowie in our house. We loved that song, Heroes. We loved it before the show and we'd start humming and she'd start crying again. It was like, oh my goodness, like, is this, has this been a traumatic thing? But it wasn't. She was just so invested in what the story was and what the emotions were. And she's always been like that. When she was little, probably three or four years old, we watched the movie Hachi. And if you've never seen Hachi, again, you can pause now, go watch Hachi, come back. But... Hachi is, it's based on a true story, and it's about a guy who has a dog, and the dog would follow him when he would go to work every day, follow him as far as the train station, and then the dog would actually stay at the train station all day until the man came back from work, and they would go home together. Well, 
in the actual story and in the movie, the man goes away to work. He has a medical emergency. I don't remember if it was a heart attack or stroke, whatever it was. He has a medical emergency and he dies. He never comes back. So the dog just waits and waits and they try to take the dog back home and the dog would get away and go back to the train station. And the dog winds up waiting at the train station for years for the man to come home. And he never does. When we were watching that movie when Claire was little, I didn't really think she was maybe old enough to really even get it. I mean, it's pretty subtle how they reveal that it's been years and the dog is still there. But when they reveal that, again, she started bawling. She like buried her head into me and she snuggled up against me and she's crying. And I thought, wow, like she really understands how sad it is that this dog has been there waiting for years for, for a friend, for a family member to come back home. And that family member didn't return. So she's always kind of been that way. And I love that about my daughter. And Mickey is, he's, has similar emotional intelligence too. He may not cry at a movie or a song or something like that the way Claire might. But he is connected to his emotions and he can talk about how he feels. And an example of that is when I do things like this, when I'm going to tell stories about my kids, when I'm going to write about them, I do ask their permission. You know, sometimes it's maybe before I write something like, hey, would it be okay if I wrote about this? And then if it's something emotional, I try to read them what I've written afterwards and like, you know, what do you think? Is this okay? Is it okay if I talk about that? Because I don't ever want to embarrass them. I don't want, I don't want years from now them to look back at this and be like, ah, dad just like talked about everything. It was annoying. And they might get that way at some point when they're teenagers and maybe find me less cool. But I, you know, I asked them to talk about this, if I could talk about this stuff. And I don't remember what I was reading them, but I was reading them something where I was talking about them or talking about our time together, whatever it was. And I read it, and by the end of it, they were both crying. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is not my intention to make them cry. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. They weren't like sad crying. It was just an emotional connection. And I said, well, what did you think? And Mickey just said, it was beautiful. And I was like, man, I'll never get a review for anything that's as good as that. And that's what I mean. I just appreciate their ability to tap into their emotions. And I talk about that here and I try to tell them like I want them to recognize that as an important thing, as a good thing, as a powerful thing. I firmly believe emotional intelligence is the most significant form of intelligence for success in any endeavor and for happiness and peace in life. Emotional intelligence is at the top. And I firmly believe that it should be the first thing we teach in schools, emotional intelligence. And that was something when I went through my 
health problems and life changes that I already believed in the power of teaching emotional awareness and emotional intelligence in school, but I really doubled down on it because I realized for myself, I'm a proponent of academics. I love learning all sorts of things, but no degree that I had, no academic training I had prepared me for what I had to face and for the mental and emotional challenges and the physical challenges. It was emotional intelligence that allowed me to get through those things and emotional intelligence I had to build, believe me. But that's what got me through and helped me come away from it better, I think. So I try to praise that in my kids when they connect to something emotionally, tell them like, yeah, that's a great thing. That's an important thing. And I want you to focus on that. And I'm proud of you for that. And that's something I think we need to be doing in schools with our children, with, with each other. As adults, we get bad at that. When we're young, we're just naturally connected to our emotions. We have emotional connections <laughs> to everything. We cry at the drop of a hat, which we, we don't necessarily want that. We want to form some skills and abilities to monitor and manage our emotions. But we need to recognize them first. We need to feel how we feel. And we need to praise that amongst each other as well and show that it's an okay thing. So that's kind of my focus. That's where my head is at this week is on feeling our feelings. And when I talk about wanting this show to become more interactive, I want people to share some of your stories if you're inclined to do so. When I started our social emotional learning program that we do in my classes called Family Time, which is something that came from my students because they started calling our little group our family. So we start pretty much every class now talking about some social emotional learning skill and we do some activity, we talk about things and it was interesting to see in the couple of years that we've been doing this, students were really uncomfortable talking about those things right away. But they would maybe send me an email. That's always the option. They can talk about it in class or they can send me an email. And students would send emails and really open up and talk deeply about things. And I would respond and talk back to them, but also encourage them to share their thoughts and feelings. Because again, that might be the one thing one other person needs to hear. And it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And as time has gone on, it's gotten easier to have those conversations in class. More students are willing to talk more about those things. And I've seen the positive impact of it and how it's helped my relationship with the students. And that's something with this, I want to at least provide the outlet and the opportunity to do some of that that we don't maybe take the time for in our daily lives as adults either. To reflect on what's important and how we feel. So if anyone has anything that 
you want to share about anything related to this, something that you feel about one of these things, or your kids having an emotional connection to something, or maybe it's a TV show or a movie or a song that you have an emotional connection to like one of those things. Feel free to contact. We'll share all the contact information at the end, but that's something then I would like to share in this show as the show progresses. And we're going to try to do this weekly and during the school year tie it into our family time, social, emotional learning. So it's always something that's supplementing that and feeding into that and making it a communal experience. And now it's time for us to take a break for our sponsor. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Clouds. Floating accumulations of water droplets and ice crystals that sometimes look like dinosaurs. And our last little segment of this episode, I'm going to call from me to you, where it's just a direct message from me talking to you, whoever's listening to this, whoever's watching. And that's something, it's one of the wonderful things about teaching is building so many relationships with people. And then then these young people, these students, they move on, they grow up, they go on to other things. And I'm fortunate to keep in contact with a lot of them. I'm not able to keep in contact with all of them as much as I would like. And sometimes I think, oh, I need to check in with so-and-so. But, you know, sometimes I'll hear from former students and they, they miss this sort of thing that we have together. And I miss sharing it with them. So this is sort of a message to anybody out there and to any former students, anyone interested in these sort of things, to my kids and how this all started. If they're looking back on this someday and they want to hear their dad talk about something at 36 years old, my perspective on things. So this is my message from me to you on theme with what we're talking about this week. And that is just to say, feel your feelings. Fully feel your feelings. Sometimes, and I think it's gotten better, I think there's less of a stigma around it than there used to be, but it's still, it's still scary to share our feelings and to show our feelings. There's no doubt about that. But understanding having emotional intelligence isn't about not feeling how we feel. It's not about suppressing our feelings. It's the opposite. It's about knowing how we feel, really taking time to assess that and understand it so we can take the proper steps, the healthy steps to manage our emotions, to work through them, to go where we want to go, to be who we want to be. And it starts with just giving ourselves permission to feel. If something makes you sad, it's okay to be sad. If something makes you angry, it's okay to be angry. What we have to do is we have to work and find management strategies so that that doesn't undermine the other things we have in our lives and the other things that we want to do. 
But it starts by taking a little pride in how you feel. So I'm proud of you for feeling however you feel. And however you feel is okay. And if it's something where you need help, get help. And if it's something you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. Those aren't weaknesses. Those are strengths because they're scary. The strong thing, the courageous thing to do is the thing that's not easy. It's the thing that's scary. And it's scary to address our emotions sometimes. So that's it. Feel how you feel. Work to find the skills and the strategies and the tools that you need that work best for you. And they don't need to be what anyone else, what anyone else is doing either. Feel how you feel this week. With that, if you do want to connect with me, and again, I want this to be interactive. If you've got a story that you want to share, I would like to start off the episodes sharing some of those other things because that's one of the most rewarding things for me when I do this stuff. And I'm always kind of... (laughs) I'm always kind of... uh, I don't know really how to handle it when people say that they like something that I wrote or that was meaningful for to them, I'm usually like, you should listen to these 20 other better things. Or like, if somebody wants me to write in a copy of my book, I always want to write a list of like, here's 50 other better books. Go read those. But I am appreciative of those things. And I do think this sort of community is important. So if anyone has any stories they want to share, anything connected to what we talked about this week, about Like I said, feeling your feelings, an emotional connection that you have to something, an emotional experience. It could be anything. Maybe it's, uh, you know, something that you have that reminds you of a loved one, whatever. I would love to share those. And if you want to communicate something like that with me and don't want me to share it on the show, just make a note of that, that you would prefer that not be shared because that's totally fine as well. But you can connect with the show, connect with me. Um, I'm Luke Nielsen media on pretty much everything. Check how that's spelled. Last name Nielsen throws people off a lot of times. It's N I E L S E N. It's a Danish name, but, um, Luke Nielsen media. I'm pretty much all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Luke is the website that's got a bunch of stuff on there. And I am really happy to share. I just sent out on social media the other day that we did get third place at the Elit Awards, uh, which is kind of about, uh, it's a lot of like electronic books and authors who have an internet presence, stuff like that. But we got the bronze medal, got third place for best author website. So if you want to go to the website, now award-winning website, LukeNielsen.com, all the blog post stuff, all the media stuff, this show is all on there. You can also contact me through that or um, I guess a couple of different email options, LukeNielsenMedia at gmail.com. You can email me there or also through the website, it's just Luke at LukeNielsen.com is another option. That's if you do the contact through the website, it goes to that email anyway. But 
anyway, that's kind of all over for this episode. Like I said, we're going to hopefully have some guest hosts on here. Going to do some other random things. Let it kind of go off the rails. This one kind of a setup for what the show is going to be. But telling stories. Fun stories too. I think sometimes we do this stuff and it gets a little heavy handed. But yeah, life can be scary. It can be difficult. It can be hard. But it's also pretty funny and pretty fantastic and pretty beautiful. So love yourself. Love each other. Love the fight. I'll be seeing you. Mm-hmm.